Hey guys. Hello. Episode number 32. Hello. Hello. Bless Rob. How are you today, Rob? (laughs) I have a really hard time with this. In case you guys haven't noticed, we have a special guest today. Her name is Elizabeth Holmes. I completely forgot to change my screen name. Can I do that still? I forgot to do it. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, is there, a, there's not, it's not like Zoom where I can hit the rename, rename button. Wait, let me get my serious face on. Oh, I can't do it, you guys. <laughs> Okay. All right. That was enough fun for one day. Oh, uh, it is Elizabeth Holmes for Halloween. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly's doing it too. She just couldn't find the red lipstick and she won't take her glasses off. She's being a party pooper. <laughs> I'm Kelly her sister. The bodyguards. She's not as pale as I am, so she can't pull it off like I can. <laughs> Wait till oh. I go to Mexico again. I'll never be able to pull it off. Oh, wait, we got Heather for a minute. Heather said, what's up with the black? And then she said, now I get it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot oh. to rename myself Elizabeth Holmes. I have to do that next time. Oh, boy. <laughs> Diane says, great costume. <laughs> yeah, I told you you could pull it out. Benita says the resemblance is uncanny. Oh, well, Benita, I'm going to take that as a compliment because I thought she looked really pretty in that picture Rob showed. So. <laughs> So for those of you who might be listening on Apple, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcasting platform is, Joe is dressed like Elizabeth Holmes. So what you should do is go to FridayFroster.com so that you can see the video. You should watch us as well as listen on your favorite podcasting platform. And by the way, while you're there, give us a five star rating on your favorite podcasting platform. Wow. Is that a lot of front loaded uh, 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 shameless plugs? It's all right. So today, today's titles are The Bank Does Not Account and Pension Schmention. I say this every week, but today is going to be a whole lot of fun. But before we get there, Joe, how was Mexico? Mexico was unbelievable. Really good experience. Got to go to Mexico City and speak last Friday. Came home for like 10 hours and then I got to fly to Virginia Beach and speak. And it was just as good. Uh, it's amazing to be in front of people again. So it was it was awesome. And so what you guys don't know is Joe actually did her presentation in Spanish in Mexico. Oh. Uh, wait, hold on. Let me think of something witty to say in response to that. <laughs> you could just call me El Loco. Not El Loco. Nada. Nada. Is that none? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. Yeah. Nada is kind of like nothing or yeah. I just say those translators and interpreters are amazing humans. And it was it was great that they were there. Ah, so yo no hablas espanol. No hablas espanol. Ah, si, sí, si. Sí. Just me amo, me amo Joe. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I do. That was very great. Or, or bien. Donde, Muy bien. Donde, donde es el baño? Oh, where's the bathroom? Yeah. Sure. Uh, donde es el cerveza? Uh, where's the beer? Yeah. All right. That's all I needed to know. No exactly. Exactly. 
Hey, my Spanish isn't too bad. I actually got that. Uh, Dyan says, all Joe needs is a little test tube with red food coloring in it. But wait, what did Joe bring? You guys forgot. It's in my lap. It's 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 creepy. It's so creepy. (laughs) I brought my baby just because Kelly taught us about the belly defense that Elizabeth Holmes had, and she had her baby to delay the trial. And so I brought my baby just <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes. And I had a great call this morning with Galena, and um, she's the one that said the baby. So thanks for the the uh, prop recommendation, Galena. Shout out if you're on. Um, but so I got it's a girl, but just ignore it. It's the only uh-huh. one I can find. So for those who may not know what we're talking about now, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about the Elizabeth Holmes trial and Kelly introduced us all to pleading the belly. Remember she got pregnant. Well, remember the first time she was supposed to go to trial, she said she couldn't go because of COVID. She didn't want to get COVID. And then the second time she showed up uh, pregnant and Kelly said that this is something that people actually do and it's called pleading the belly. We had no idea that it was a real thing. It's pleading the belly. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now Pogo is actually fluent in Spanish. She says, Dundee está Elizabeth Holmes. Where is Elizabeth Holmes? Well, I was just reading about her trial update. I know Kelly's following it probably closer than I am, but it sounds like the defense or her lawyers are now blaming the investors for not doing enough due diligence or oh, something geez. crazy like that. I mean, Come on. Yeah. I have to say, I don't like to victim shame ever, but the FOMO, the lack of due diligence, we're smarter than everyone else. And some of their investors deserve to lose it. And I never, never say that. But, you know, I'm like, they deserved it. I'm sorry. I'm I'm jumping the shark here and saying they deserved it, even though I talked to an investigator attorney yesterday and she disagreed with me because she said there was false information on the documents. But that's what due diligence is for, is to make sure the documents are true. So I don't know. Some of the some of the people who lost money. They got they're not having to sell a boat, a house. They're not having to, like, you know, this is nothing for them. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, Kelly, how did you change your name on the screen? Um, <laughs> you go down to the little three dots. Where are the three? Oh, I see it. Oh, okay. You think okay. I, in the virtual world I would know this by now. But anyway, okay. I'm on it. Okay, so just FYI, I'm your mom, and I don't even know what her mom looks like. But I'm old enough to be your mom. If I had a, if I had you at a very young age, teenage pregnancy. Teenage now, Stephanie says she hasn't been here in a while. Yes, we missed you and we noticed that you weren't here. Great to see everyone. And Galena is here and she says, great outfit, Joe. Galena, I tried. I, did you see my baby? She just joined. I have to show her my baby. Okay. I'm sorry for all the listeners. They're not really understanding this, but I did find a baby. Great. Okay, go ahead. And also, Kelly you may be Elizabeth's baby. mom, but I am Elizabeth's bodyguard. Oh, oh one. One. Love it. Oh, my gosh. I've never felt like I had an entourage before, but I'm really into this. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. So before we get into our first story, let me see if this works. I've got some new toys here. Oh, it does. Well, so look, guys, it is getting close to Christmas time. And some of you guys know some awesome auditors. 
That is my newest T-shirt design, the Awesome Auditor. You can go to the store and pick it up right now for $25. Right on time for Christmas season. And what is your awesomeauditors.club? Is that it, Rob? I'm going to put that it in the it. Awesomeauditors.club. Leave me your email address because next year I have some really cool stuff coming. Is it auditors or auditor? Sorry. Awesome auditor. You know, I think it's both. But oh. auditors with an S, I believe, is the, the best okay. one. It's in there now. All right. Oh, Stephanie says she has listened to every episode on Spotify, not Apple. Thank you, Stephanie. Even though we're on the forbidden fruit, you know how I feel about the forbidden fruit. <laughs> I love the stock, man. Such Apple haters. Can I just hold up my computer with my app with my little fruit on it? I oh, am 100 percent an Apple hater. So mean. I'm an Apple lover. Me too. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly and I against Rob. The only apples I like are red delicious. Those okay. are like the worst. So Benita says I should wear this outfit to an audit. I'm wondering, though, should I wear this for my next ethics presentation? Ooh. Big me. You should. Right? Big me. But, you know, I'm a little hesitant because they might think I'm crazy when I start speaking. But I, I don't know. It could be fun. It's but it actually fits, though. We're not, not saying that you're crazy. I mean, it fits the whole <laughs> ethics thing. And... <laughs> And Elizabeth Holmes. Ah, we are no longer friends. <laughs> That's why I knew I was going to have to clarify that. Right when it came out, I was like, this sounds not how I'm trying to make it sound. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, Benita, that's a good idea. I think you should wear it to the New York State Internal Controls Association Conference. We are doing fraud in pop culture. We are. Kelly I think you should. And maybe I should. Ooh, I don't know. Okay, I could go as Rita Crunwell and get. I'd have to go buy like a horse hat. Yes, you could. Yeah, yeah, we should do this. It's like dress up day. I think we might. Yeah, it's next week, so it's close enough to Halloween. They may not think we're too crazy if we do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now I tell you what, our audience has given us some really good ideas because Diane says, uh, "Yes, do that and give away a prize to whomever notices first. Perfect. Free book. That's so good. Free what? Free awesome auditor shirt. Rob. This is why we like you guys. You guys help us become better. Together we are better. Bonita says honey crisp apples are the best. I think they're a little overrated, Bonita. <laughs> oh boy. So. All right, let's get on with the show, I suppose. The bank does not account. Now, in our first story, it's going to sound similar to. <clears throat> A bank that Joe has talked about recently. Oh, let's just get on with it. One of two men charged with conspiring to steal bank customers' information and withdrawing approximately $604,000 from their accounts has admitted his role in the scheme. Lamar Mahalo, 32, of Bronx, New York. Of the Bronx, Pozo, you better watch out pleaded guilty to conspiracy to commit bank fraud. Hmm. He agreed to pay back all the money. He pulled off the scam with Jeremy, Jameer, Jameer, with Jameer, who worked in the Mount Laurel call center of a bank with branches across New Jersey. Now, they didn't name the bank. Um, They were co-workers. 
And what they did was they enlisted someone else to help them steal identities and account information of customers by taking screenshots. And they did this from between August of 2016 to August of 2017. They arranged for fake IDs to be made in the names of the customers. Then they hired someone else and they went to various bank branches to withdraw cash. Hmm. This was only after one of the conspirators called the bank and changed the addresses on the accounts using the stolen data. So they actually had ID cards with their pictures on it and someone and the name of the people who should have been on the bank account. And then they diverted the mail to a new address. The men also used stolen information to transfer money from the compromised accounts. At least seven bank customers were victimized with thousands of dollars stolen from each. The bank is not named in the court papers. I wonder who it is. In an example outlined in the charging documents, the men used stolen information to change a victim's address to one in Connecticut. They then obtained a fake Connecticut driver's license and went to bank branches in New Jersey and Hoboken to make cash withdrawals totaling $7,410. That was on August the 10th of 2016. On other occasions, the thieves made fraudulent withdrawals of thousands of dollars apiece from banks in Newark, Patterson, Trenton, Hamilton, Woodland Park, uh, Little Falls, Livingston, and in Philadelphia. The largest withdrawal was on September 8th, 2016, and it was for $7,000. Now, one of them is going to be sentenced on March the 7th, 2022. Charges against the other one are still pending, according to court documents. So, man. I was getting caught up on um, Ozarks the other night. Ooh. And Ruth had like this group of guys. She's outside her, you know, I'm going to be mean, her mobile home and um, or her whatever. And she's teaching these guys how to smurf. And so like, you know, yep. oh, my God, I love her voice in that. She's mm -hmm. just like so funny. But this is like, you know, they kept it under 10. And it just reminds me of the whole smurfing. Smurfy's so old. It's kind of new again. Yep. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I, uh, when does the new season of Ozarks come out, Kelly? There's another plug for fraud and pop culture because we need to know that by next week. It's soon, I think. I thought yeah. it was December. Yeah, I'll I find out. Yeah, I think it's like December or January. It's really, really soon because Ozarks, if you've never seen that, you guys have got to watch it. It is just January fantastic. 2022. Anyway, there we go. All right, a couple more months. Whew, I can't wait. You and know, Kelly's Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, why do things like this one take so long? I mean, is this a is this an extra two year delay because of COVID, Kelly? Or is this like normal 2016 to 2022 before we're getting sentenced dates? Like, this is crazy. It's it's both. It's both. But it's definitely COVID. Like, I know someone who it's taken. It'll be four years in December for her, for just at garden variety embezzlement. Granted, it's a little complicated because there was a divorce in there and everything, but the courts are really backed up, really, really backed up. Yeah. So. Now, Heather says she doesn't know what smurfing is unless it's the cartoon. <laughs> la, 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 la. That's it. <laughs> Ozarks is on um, Netflix. Yes. 
All right, yeah. so let's tell Heather what Smurfing is. Yes, Stephanie said what platform is that on? It's on Netflix. And it is so good, Stephanie. It's so good. Season two, I think, was kind of went a little off the rails, I thought. But season three, I think is like, I mean, I'm catching up and wow. It's I ugh, yeah. Smurfing is just money laundering, right? Break it's going to a bunch of banks with under ten thousand dollars. And so like Ruth was telling these, I mean, they're just a bunch of dudes who go to the casino to lose money because they're laundering the money through the casino. Yep. But she, there's also a FBI forensic accountant who's actually, her story is really interesting. Um, uh, no spoilers, but uh, she's like, goes around, she'll talk to this. So where'd you get your money? So Ruth's telling these guys, you need to have a story and it can't all be the same story. And don't go out and buy a boat when you're done with, like, you know, it, it, it's a great, um, it, it's a great thing, but it's keeping the money under 10,000 and they would send out crews to go hit various banks. Mm -hmm. So in this, yeah. in Ozarks, it was crews to hit the casino. So it's basically yeah. the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I worked at a bank, Rob, you've worked in financial services, right? Before. Yeah. So you know, the whole changing of the address thing on this one is what brought back memories to me because we used to do this like 10 day hold. If you, you know, if you changed your address, you couldn't get any disbursements within 10 days. So I'm guessing because they worked at the bank, they knew how to get around all these rules too. So they obviously were pretty patient in the time period that they did this probably too. So. Yeah. Well, and, and it just, it just brings up, an interesting point. It looks like they worked in the call center and oftentimes people in the call center, I mean, you have access to a lot of different things because you never know what a customer is going to need. Uh, but it also sounds like he partnered with someone else, possibly in another area of the bank too, in order to make some stuff happen. But yeah, the changing of the address and then getting fake IDs with their pictures on them so that they could go and withdraw money. I, one thing I don't understand about some criminals is um, that one was kind of stupid, right? I mean, um, because most banks have security cameras. And so when the person says, I didn't withdraw this money, you pull the security camera and you see who actually did it, even though the bank teller actually checked the real ID, the real fake ID. You now know what the person looks like that came into the bank and did the withdrawal. Yeah, so they must have, you know, those those guys they or gals who they hired to go into the bank, obviously, didn't realize probably what they were getting themselves into. They probably just wanted 500 bucks or whatever they were being offered off the top. You know, I mean, that's the sad thing about fraud, right? Kelly and I, we, Kelly was just talking about that earlier today with the three of us. Sad, fraud is sad. You know, they found somebody on the street that was probably desperate to go in and they're going to take the risk to be caught on camera doing this because they're going to think there's some higher you know, level person that's going to get, you know, really caught for this. So they, they end up being the scapegoats, really. Low yeah. hanging fruit. Where Where's Hal? Is Hal not here today? Not here. Dan's not here. We don't have our, our Mark's not here. We don't have some of our regulars today. Yeah, sure. Hal emailed and said he he probably was not going to be able to make it today. So but this I think is so Thomas funny. Is I just pulled up a picture of Elizabeth Holmes' mother. that <laughs> could pass for her. And she's wearing a pink cardigan. <laughs> oh, 
Kelly, that might have to be how we start off on uh, uh, next week. For, uh, I might have to go get a pink cardigan. It, it's like a twin set. <laughs> I put the link in the show notes at the New York Times article. It's like they're holding hands. Sorry, I, we digress. Okay, it's so just too I, funny. I do have one other comment, though, to what Rob, to what you're saying. Like, we were trying to come up as auditors with good controls to put in call centers so that those banking call center reps don't get all that personal information from the callers. So, you know, we all get annoyed with like automated systems where you have to put in your social and stuff before you even get a person. But what the majority of the world doesn't understand besides us is that that's a protection for them. So that, so that that person answering the phone doesn't have your whole, you know, social security birthday. Like it's better to put it in their system that's automated behind the scenes that then hopefully if the controls are good at that organization, that call center rep doesn't have access to your social, to your, to your birthday, to that stuff that they would need to steal your identities. And we worked really hard on trying to put that in place. Uh, but I think people get frustrated. You know, I just want to talk to a person I get that, but this is kind of protecting us in a little way. It's yeah. Sure. And, and to your point though, I've only seen it done well a few times. Most places you put in your social security number to the automated system, you get to the real person and they ask you for it again. I know. And, and then you ask them, well, don't you have it? Well, I don't have it. Most of them will say, I don't have it because really if you just needed to verify it, you could just verify the last four. Mm -hmm. So, and we know now we know that that's not actually the system. That is the way the system was implemented. Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much. I feel like, I, I mean, this one's a little bit hard because there was some, I mean, I want to say there's collusion, but not really. I mean, one person could have done the screenshots on their own, you know, at the bank. It talks about how friends at the bank worked together and did it. But really, I think they were just in cahoots. But yeah. it is kind of scary to think about the access that some of these people have or the information that they have about us. So does it all go back to trust? And we talked earlier today about background checks. And yes, we would love to think that we're hiring employees that we can trust, but what else can we do and ask? And uh, Kelly, I think you should tell everybody, if you were a boss, the question that you were going to ask at the end of every interview, because I think it was so awesome. I yep. loved it. So my question is, is like, so I'm going to Las Vegas this weekend. Do you guys like Vegas? <laughs> and if they say they like Vegas, I'm like, there's a door. Go. But I did. I did tell her I loved Vegas. So I was kind of in trouble. I'll never make Kelly's staff cut. Dang it. Um, but, right. Or, and then Danielle, who's another one of our faithful followers and friends said, um, I'm surprised Kelly didn't say horses. So do you, do you have any experience with horses? Okay. So the little side note, I got a text from my brother-in-law. He's married to my sister on Sunday that my sister fell off a horse and broke her pelvis. It's wow. really bad. Oh no, that's so bad. It, it's really bad. But my thing is, is like, why is she riding horses? She's as poor as a church mouse. Like that was where I went to. I was like, who the hell do you think you are to ride a horse? Like I can ride horses before you. I, I'm <laughs> Kelly, you are so funny. Keeping it real, sister. <laughs> you know what? So 
Stephanie says that so many Smurfs and mules coming into her financial institution on the daily. Now that's crazy, but I guess fraud actually is up now. And Thomas says, well, at least Facebook is rebranding oh. to Meta, so totally trustworthy with our info now, right? Oh yeah. Gosh. Oh, yeah. don't even get me started, Thomas. Yeah, the 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 Meta thing. Well, you know what though? What's old is new, and what's new is old because I don't know if you guys remember what was the the old video game back in the day. It's still around. Uh, half Life, Half. No. Um, I forgot. I'll put it into the chat if I remember, but it was the virtual world that Facebook is talking about. And it was about 10 years ago. Uh, but here's what I thought about, about controls for this particular case. And it's probably going to have to come to this. So when I was a chief auditor over hospitals, um, when we were doing the pharmacies, one good control for the pharmacy was we made people put their purses and book bags up before you even walked into the pharmacy. So you had a separate a separate place for your purses and your book bags. In call centers, they may have to start banning cell phones on the floor. Cell phones and I mean screenshot capabilities on computers. I mean, I don't I'm sure there's a gazillion ways they could figure out to get around that, but but yes. Yeah. Disable the flash drives. Uh, disable screen capture capability, disable the ability for them to get to their own emails and maybe email something if they just screen print it. Uh, and it, it's sad that it might come to that, but this is one where I don't know if they could have actually prevented it. Well, you never know. I mean, there's certain data analytic checks that you could use. I mean, if you see a certain number of address changes within a certain vicinity, within a certain period of time, that, that's kind of strange, right? How many people are actually changing their address? But there, there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, that's a good point. Like if it was a lot of, of, of address changes, I'm just brainstorming out loud, from like where they opened the bank, account or where one person worked right where that employee worked or something but you know they were kind of i know you said they weren't smart robert but they kind of were i mean they went all over you know they sent people all over to different branches you know so they did spread the love a little bit but i'm sure there's something our if our buddy trent was on here he'd probably come up with something data analytics -y. is that a term i don't know i'm probably embarrassing myself but. I'm Elizabeth today, not Joe. So I can I can embarrass myself all I want. <laughs> Second Life is the name of it. It's been around yes. for at oh. least 10 years, maybe oh. even 15. Yeah, there she is. Stephanie just put it too right when I thought about it. Yeah, Second Life Virtual World. I used to play, I mean, uh, I have friends that used to play it back in the day. So what, uh, I have friends. You have friends. Um, <laughs> So what are what kind of controls are we going to need to have in place when Meta's around? You know, virtual reality. Oh my gosh. Anyway, it's going to be interesting because what's going to happen is people are going to navigate through a virtual world and then they're going to buy things in a store, probably in the virtual world that are either virtual goods or maybe even physical goods where you see a representation of them in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to have a whole new dynamic to it. But like I said. Um, Second Life was like that years ago anyway. So this is a complete side note. Since we talked about it, I was traveling for the first time in like forever um, this week. Uh, there was a, one of those Amazon stores in the airport where you just go in and pick the thing off the shelf. And this lady got charged for something that she didn't take out of there. And she was just having this whole meltdown in the airport about, you know, how 
you know, technology isn't ready. And, you know, the world's not ready because they can't even get it right. And it was all because she got charged for like a two pack of masks for like $5 that she didn't walk out there with. But I mean, like literally this woman had a meltdown and I'm telling you traveling can be fun when you watch the people around you. But, you know, I mean, she was obviously one of those that's going to fight the technology and the change. And but it's true. We've got to make sure things work. And I guess the person that she called said, oh, this is just a test. We're just seeing how this test store goes. You know, this Amazon walk in, walk out. And she's like, well, it's not going well. You know, and I'm just laughing. But anyway, it just. But did you film the meltdown? Girl, <laughs> why do I not think about these things? Oh, my gosh. There, there was well, a guy. I went to a doctor's office this week and I hadn't been there before. And they gave me an iPad to fill all my stuff out. Yeah. And I'm not very good with iPads, like give me a computer but or a phone. But yeah, at first I was annoyed. And then I was like, it's a lot more efficient for them. Like mm -hmm. a lot more efficient for them. But here I am, you know, whatever age I am. And then an older guy comes in. If you would have given an iPad to my dad, he would have oh. thrown it across the room and said, I'm not doing this. Like he literally wouldn't have been able to do it. Well, it's like the um, the QR codes. You know, we're, I actually just had this conversation at the conference I was just at. Like QR codes, like were in and then they were out and now they're back in because everybody's using them at menus. But people don't like them yet. Like it's just not, it's not, it's not working 100% yet. So anyway. Yeah. 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 But we're, we are getting there slowly. Uh, it's exciting and scary at the same time. So you guys, you're here on the Friday Froster. Today, the bank account does not account. Our first story talking about, well, some guys or girls or whoever, they stole some bank account information, created some fake IDs, and then took money from people's accounts. And we were sitting here trying to figure out what kind of controls we could put in place for this one. But this is a tough one. Um, just watch your bank account. Get some electronic statements. Uh, you'll have an email each time your address changes and all that other good stuff. And I guess that's about as good as it can get. Now, Galena says she uses QR codes as her business card. I love that. And I like I use it my LinkedIn QR code in all my presentations because I think it's a great way to get people uh, to connect with you easily. And so I think, you know, I think 50 to 75 percent of the world might be there. But like Kelly said, her dad's not, you know. Those kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm being ageist, but I think it's harder for those that are. My dad's like, where's the menu? So I totally get it. Okay. So yeah. here's the question with QR codes, though. If you're on your phone and you get emailed a QR code, how do you? Yeah, I know. How... <laughs> or if you're watching the Zoom webinar, I get this question because I do some of my polls that way. And if they're watching the, the webinar on their phone, they can't do that. So I always put the hyperlink in too. So you got to have options, right? You got to have plan A and plan B so that they can click the link. Yeah, because I've been thinking about doing QR codes. Um, and then I'm trying to, you know, troubleshoot to see how I can make sure that it is the most effective that it can be. And that was one thought that came up. How yeah. do I do that? Yeah. So. Hey, on this bank note, though, like, can we talk about how things like QR codes how get like how and things like just ATMs to avoid going into a teller. I mean, I think we've got to we've got to realize like I'm the biggest 
you know, I'm not the biggest fan of technology every day, but we have to recognize as auditors when technology is going to help us with controls like this, with fraud, right, Kelly? I mean, like you got, you know, it's not, so the best Elizabeth Holmes quote, right, in character was from that HBO documentary, The Inventor, Out for Blood. They, and it wasn't Elizabeth who said it, but somebody in that documentary said, technology doesn't lie, but the people behind technology do lie. And that was like one of my favorite quotes in that documentary. And I think it's like, we have to learn how to break, embrace technology, but make sure the people building it are ethical. You know, we have to really like, what is it, stress test? Our, our intuition on ethics when it comes to technology. And I think that's gonna though help us with stuff like this. Cause like Rob said, it's hard to find controls in this situation. But if we take the people out, maybe we can. But I just thought about something else though. Technology. What, what? The people behind the technology. What mom, what mom, what'd you say? Mama, <laughs> they were very sad last Friday or Thursday at Starbucks. Apparently, is that Dorothy said that they looked like was it Dorothy? No, it was someone else. It was John Kerry's sort of person. She said she saw them in Starbucks and it looked like Elizabeth was like not like she's very firm in the courthouse, but at Starbucks she was resting on her mama, Aww. Noel, and her ma- her name is Noel. Okay, no. Not noble. 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 <laughs> Nothing noble about okay, never mind. <laughs> All right, we digress. I'm just I'm just channeling my inner Elizabeth today, I guess. All right, guys. So our second story for the day. Pension Schmention. Whew. Oh, now, this one. This one, this one, this one. Do I like so this is- one a lot? Yes, the SEC has joined the FBI in an investigation of Pennsylvania's biggest pension fund. They subpoenaed a bunch of records, well, because they think that there's some improper compensation and gifts possibly offered to staff members. Now, they have a state policy that says that staff members are forbidden from accepting gifts. But then there's some other things that happen, too. So federal prosecutors are investigating it. It's a 64 billion with a B dollar pension fund. And they were looking for evidence of kickbacks and bribery. Um, and so the subpoenas that they had sought grand jury testimony from the executive director, the chief financial officer, the deputy chief investment officer and the chief auditing officer. So auditors take note, you might be subpoenaed. Um, they, they make a point to say that no one, including those who were served subpoenas, have, has been accused of wrongdoing, at least uh, not yet. Again, it's a $6 billion pension fund. It serves 265,000 retired teachers and other former school employees. The local, a local newspaper there called The Inquirer obtained, obtained some internal documentation that uh, said that there were material errors and data corruption in what they're saying to be just one month of their calculations. They're saying that the error was small and it falsely boosted the fund's performance by only about a third of a percentage point over one quarter. But they were saying even so uh, with that happening, it was just enough to, let's see. Oh, it was just enough to do something. I lost my place, guys. Sorry, I'll come back to that. (laughs) But they, there's so much within this one because they also hired 
a fund consultant who blamed the mistake on a clerical er error from their staff. Um, of course. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Throw someone under the bus. Exactly. But then another consultant said that um, he didn't really buy that because he said, you guys only checked one month. You, you need to go back and look because it's probably worse than you think. Uh, so then at one point, I'm sorry, guys, I'm messing this story up because it is all over the place. So at one point, they told the board that everything was OK and they gave the board the calculation. And when they came back with another calculation, they said that they might have to increase the amount that people hired after 2011 needed to contribute to the pension fund. Then they came back and reversed that and said, oh, no, we're under the threshold. So everything is OK. And between the errors and the non-errors and the presenting information to the board and reneging on things that they presented to the board, now federal agencies are concerned. Kelly, you think there was a whistleblower in this one? I mean, there had, have, there had to have been a tip in this one, right? Like, I bet it was one of those disgruntled people that, I think it was the opposite of what you said, Rob, but maybe I read it wrong. Like, they they said nobody right, had yeah. to be in. And then all of a sudden the numbers weren't as good as they said they were. So now all these people do have to pay in. And in, in my gut, when I was reading this, I felt like this, I bet one of those people complained and said, wait a second, why do we not know our results? You know, well, because they were using unaudited financial statements instead of their audited ones uh, to do the pension calculations, even to begin with. Like there were so many red flags in this, which is why I think the SEC is reporting or looking into it, investigating. So um, I put in the I put in the chat the Twitter for Joseph DiStefano, who's one of the reporters, Philly Joe D. Apparently, the PSERS chief counsel just stepped down. Um, uh, he called it a very challenging time, <laughs> and he affirmed the audit committee committee chair, and it's like. And then another post he did just yesterday, two days ago, six months into the federal probe of the you know issue, blue chip law firms, million dollar fees or bills are piling up. So who's going to pay for this again? Like, I mean, it's going to be the pensioners. Yep. I saw where they hired three law firms for a total of about, I think it said $1 million. And this was last year. So I found what I was looking for, you guys. It said, uh, so last year, the board triumphantly declared that its investment strategies had paid off. It claimed to have put the fund over the benchmark hurdle, sparing teachers and other staff from an increase. And then this April is when it reversed course and abandoned that old performance figure. It's official. So it officially adopted a new lower one and announced that the workers would indeed pay. The increase kicked in July 1 of this year. So last year they said no, no increase. And then now that they know it's wrong, there is an increase for the pensioners. But like you just said, Kelly, not only are they going to have to pay for this, they're going to have to pay for those high powered attorney fees. Well, and I just feel like this is just ripe for fraud. Like I feel like the pension probably doesn't have as much money as it should to begin with. And, you know, this is just, I don't know, it's got, like sirens going off in my head because, you know, it even says that this pension fund paid more than 700 million at last annual count 
in fees and profit sharing to over 150 Wall Street firms and other private money managers. They are throwing money away. This is not protecting the pension and creating a pension retirement for your employees. This is throwing money at Wall Street. And this pension is going to go under. I mean, if they don't start getting this in check. So somebody was paying attention to what they were doing and they had to have blown the whistles, whistle, right? I mean, that's... Well, and then the travel stuff? Yes. Like, oh, I, I'm sorry. Like the pension funds pay for their $1,100 stays. Like this is just, it's incent, incentives. Yeah. It's, so yeah. how do you turn down when someone asks you for, could you, could, we want to run another 250 million for, you know, your retirement. And you've just put them up. Like they flew to New York first class. They stayed at the Ritz. They had a big dinner at Peter Luger's. And then they asked you for another investment. Humans don't, it's, it's reciprocity. It's Robert Cialdini and reciprocity. They give you all this stuff and it's really, really hard to say no. Yeah. And they say they're okay that the money managers booked the pension employees like hotels and everything because they paid it back. I'm like, yeah, you paid it back. And then some because of all the fees that these money managers and these big bankers are charging you to manage the people that work for the States retirement income like i don't this one just screams you know fraud or not even fraud just bad the greed this one greed is good gordon gecko greed is good greed yeah yeah well and, and i think that's it too the expensive travel should have been a red flag when you audit travel and entertainment expenses so there, there was some excessive spending there even in new york for uh, hotels. And then I don't know if you guys saw the other thing was the pension fund bought, purchased um, a bunch of land that they're saying is questionable because it was possibly owned by some of the, uh, some members of the pension fund possibly could have benefited from the purchase of the land. Oh, wait. So Robert, are you saying there was a conflict of interest? (laughs) Maybe just a slight one. Um, and maybe that's why it also says not only have they hired three lawyers for the pension plan, but they've hired a lawyer for eight of the employees. You know, they have 500 staff and board members of this pension plan um, that clearly eight of them need some sort of lawyer. So they're in and they're in on this somehow or they know, you know. Well, and the subpoena was sent to the chief counsel last Friday and now he quits yesterday or two days ago. Like. Uh, do you think you quitting is going to, I mean, yeah, there, uh, it's just awful. What's funny is, you know, we always talk about, it's not funny. We, we talk about boards, right. And boards and, you know, we talk about Elizabeth Holmes board, you know, they were just a bunch of lap dogs to Elizabeth. They, you know, did whatever she wanted in this case there, this article said there was three board members who didn't approve the fictitious figure in January because they didn't think that that was the right number. They thought it was inflated um, and it tells who that was, but the chief investment officer, who's gotta be one of these people with the lawyer, um, said their their concerns were groundless. I love this, his, this is his quote, you guys. We did our due diligence, he said, we covered it. I'm not worried about it. And I'm like, mm. you know, we covered it doesn't give me the warm fuzzy 
feeling. I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, that sounds like we covered it up. Like we did something bad. And I was like, red flag, red flag. That's what I was about to say. He left out a word, right? We covered it up. We covered it. Well, and if you think about pension funds, right, you're either going to invest in, you're going to send your money to an investment firm so that they can invest it in stocks and bonds and maybe real estate trusts, or you're going to invest in some companies, or you're going to invest in some uh, property yourself that you run. And at each board meeting, you should have some sort of performance measurements back to your benchmark to see how well your investment managers are performing. Yeah. So I just like, was that happening? What happened with the purchase of that land? What was it for? Was it, you know, did you go buy Dollywood thinking that it was going to make you some money or did you just buy, you know, something? Dollywood would make them money because Dolly Parton's brilliant. Exactly. Well, and I know even like. Favors, bribes, kickbacks, gifts. You know, like that's why they did it. That's why they're giving them their money. Not because of the good returns for their pension employees. Not because of that. It's because who was paying them the most or giving them that best kickback. Yeah. Well, and I wonder what the chief auditor has to say because he or she was subpoenaed. Yeah, that would be interesting. So this guy I put in the um, chat, Edward Seidel or I don't know, Seidel, he's a whistleblower. If you look at his Twitter, like, I mean, he's just going to make hundreds of millions of dollars going after pension funds for stuff like this. It is his cash cow. Wow. It is beyond his cash cow. Um, he's going, he's looking at Rhode Island, Ohio. Like he probably just has a business model for this stuff. Which would be great. Like, I know, I know how we feel about lawyers. Um, they're Noel, <laughs> Elizabeth's mom. Um, but it would be great if he was coming from a place of protecting the people that need the pension and, you know, if his fees were not outrageous and, but this is, you know, this is kind of protecting this, um, I don't know, retirement and people's legacy. And like, I think somebody needs to make sure they're doing it right. If auditors aren't doing it, you know, maybe anyway, I don't, I don't know. Do we have any auditors on that have audited pension funds before? Have they heard of Edward Seidel? Seidel? <laughs> Seidel? Um, I mean, he looks fascinating. He's moved to Florida because he has so much money. He's doing police pensions. So that makes me think of the movie. What's the movie on um, with Mark Wahlberg and um, the other guys? Remember the police pension oh, got ripped off? Oh, yeah. Yep. I was given Kelly yeah. I'm about the other guys. Have you guys, has anybody on seen that one besides me, Rob and Kelly? I didn't love it at first. And that's why she was like, you didn't love it. Anyway, I guess it was my kind of humor. <laughs> Wait, and, and how much money did he get, Kelly, in his last uh, settlement? 48 million. Wow. So here's an article. Um, where's the uh, auditor for... Um, Ohio Retirement Study Council. This was in August. It's like, where's the auditor? Badly. Um, That's a headline. Yeah. Plot. <laughs> where's the auditor? Uncomfortable granular detail in Seidel report. I'm kind of fascinated by this guy. I reached out to him on LinkedIn. I'm following him on Twitter. I'm kind of fascinated. Um, he's a lawyer, though, but he doesn't lawyer. He finds money. So Pozo says she used to audit benefit plans and management and investment fees seem excessive. Yes. Yeah, they are. 
very much excessive. Yeah, and that's the problem is that I have like with this article with the chief investment officer, because his whole role, most likely at that organization is to bring in the most in fees as he can for her. And so, you know, uh, well, that would be the chief investment officers at the banks and the, and the money markets and everything. But his role at the pension should be to pay the least amount of fees. Right. So but he's probably not even worried about that. Yeah. Well, and, you know, what really stinks about this one is apparently from some of the documentation, people thought that the numbers were wrong all along. So it sounds like some individuals with power and authority in the organization exercised that power and authority to keep others quiet. So it sounds almost like a culture issue. Oh, doesn't that always come back around? To fight us? <laughs> well, I ask the question again, what makes an organization successful? Is it the financials? Is it their product or you know service that they sell? Or is it their culture? It's always the culture. Well, and I'll tell you, like, where I live, oh, my God, people are going after, like, you know, the top 10 PERS recipients all the time and saying how it's broken. And, yeah, for the top 10, yeah, it is. I mean, my father-in-law was retired on PERS, but, like, you know, but the other thing is, is what they're doing is they're making it that the recipients get too much money. And really... Like they push it down on the little people. So you have teachers who are, you know, retired on 30 grand a year or whatever. And they're not looking at the big picture when there's billions and billions of dollars. And so they're just like, I mean, I know where I live. It's like, oh, those greedy PERS recipients. And I have a very good friend who used to run a state investment fund. And she and I differed. She's just like, this is how you have to do it. And I'm like, mm, put it in an index fund. And she's like, oh, that's for you little people. Little people. <laughs> but we wow. Have, did we have the active versus passive investing debate? <laughs> I'm like, I just got an email from Vanguard. So it seemed really fitting for this conversation that we're having. But I mean, it really, it's, there's, there's, I don't know. We could go all sorts of directions with this. Yeah. 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 But overall, this is a sad story, and I bet more comes out. I think we've talked about this before, but I think we need to like redo one of those episodes where we just revisit like ten of the frauds we've talked about to do the "Where are we today?" Yep, <laughs> happening now. Because where are they now? No money in this pension fund. I mean, we, you know, I'm sure there's some, but we might find out something huge with this one. Yeah, yeah. I think so because when they talk about how. You know, the board thought something was wrong or some three specific people thought that something was wrong and they passed it anyway. Then they came back and said no. And now they're disputing or mad about this purchase of land. And I was thinking, if you're a pension fund, why are you purchasing land anyway, unless you see a fast resale for it? Because are you going to hold on to land for 10, 20 years for it to appreciate to be worth your time? Uh, and if that's the case, are you flipping property? Was it just vacant land or was it already occupied? Timber. It might be timber or farmland. Yeah. Oh. Or yeah. timber's been that's very true. profitable. That's true. They are. Yeah. Or maybe we should just be happy they bought land and not like three private jets. Uh, or invested in Theranos. Or I mean, thank goodness they didn't invest in Theranos. Or WeWork, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Good. 
my mind went to Adam Newman and his private jets. I'm like, I guess we're glad that they're not, you know, it's all relative. Fraud is relative. Yeah. And Pozo and Bonita are having a great time in the chat. Bonita says, Pozo, I like hanging out with you all week. And Pozo <laughs> said, me too, Bonita. So see, we're bringing people together here while discussing fraud. We're so, so good at fraud that. does not have to be all bad. <laughs> and we're learning so much from each other. You guys are awesome. I'm still amazed by the plead the belly, though. I mean, that I feel bad for the people listening to this because they're probably like, what's happening right now? Like... You know what? You know, you guys love, I know you guys know I love Pivot and it's Kara Swisher and Scott Galloway and they have this banter. And I'm like sitting here doing this and I'm like, we are like the fraud version of Pivot with our banter. Yeah. Like truly. And people are getting stuff out of it. You've got Twitter, you got you have articles like... I mean, so there is banter, but there is really good information. Yep. Yeah. Well, and I think it's stuff that people don't talk about, but want to talk about and need to talk about. Um, there are so few people in our space who are open enough to say the things that we say. And we do it in a comedic way sometimes because sometimes you have to laugh because this stuff is crazy. This is really crazy. Well, and I think I've said this a hundred times, but I think it's not just for our professional lives, but it's for our personal lives too. I, I feel like I get smarter every time Kelly tells me a story. So right. I mean, like she just knows what happens. Like, I mean, but this is like a bank, you know, I'm going to watch and see if the teller is screenshotting my bank account information next time. It's just, yep. it brings up those controls in your own life. And uh, I know, uh, can we plug Rob, you're speaking at the all-star Vegas IIA conference and you're doing audit your life, right? I know it probably has nothing to do with this, but I think we all need some of that. We need controls and to pay attention. We walk around like zombies sometimes. So anyway, it's just a great reminder, I think. Yes, 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 yes. Now, Bonita says, yes, the hard topics need civil discourse. Bonita posted something today or yesterday on LinkedIn saying something similar to what she just said here. And yes, I will be the closing keynote speaker at the IIA All-Star Conference in Las Vegas, closing out the year for the Institute of Internal Auditors' last session of the year. It's going to be awesome. fun. You're awesome. Okay. Are we done? Is it Friday yeah. weekend? Is it, is it um, margarita time? I don't know. I was trying to think of something Elizabeth Holmes would drink, but... Probably. Oh, what's her favorite drink? You know, uh, I was about to say something. I won't say it. I won't say it. Yeah, you know, I'm going to say it anyway. I don't think she's much of the drinking type. I think she's much of the medication type. Yeah, I can totally see that. I, it might be, get this, a Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh. Kelly, I love you. You're fantastic. Oh my God. That, that is a good one. That is so awesome. That's a, oh boy, that's a good one. And, we should have uh, shown up with Bloody Mary's. Wine 30. Oh my gosh. Wine 30. I love it. Oh, you guys. Wait, Benita said she just opened Kelly's book on a video. Oh, she said she just opened your book on a video post. What? Yeah. So she must have posted about your book on LinkedIn. Oh God. Oh dear. Oh, I hope nice. you like it. Benita's oh. awesome at those videos. She's yeah, yeah. On that. 
Heather is kind of saying what I was thinking. Yes, I agree. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for making Maybe my Maybe she's a stoner. That's possible too. No, I she's mean, got too much of a crazy eyes for that. Stoners are kind of like squinty, aren't they? Like that, she's got like big eyes. Well, maybe it's the upper and the downer, you know, the, to balance <laughs> each other out. So, <laughs> oh, you guys rock! All right, guys. All right, all right, all right. So, thank you guys for joining us this week. We will see you next week.